This podcast has been prepared exclusively for institutional, wholesale, professional clients, and qualified investors only, as defined by local laws and regulations. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Welcome back, everybody. This is Michael Sembalist with the Labor Day Eye on the Market podcast. It must have been a long, hot summer at the Heritage Foundation and the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, imagine how excited they must have been a couple of years ago. Finally, you know, a president that would restore the pillars of Reaganism, pro-business policies and court appointments, uh, corporate tax cuts, personal tax cuts, lots of deregulation. You know, and for Heritage and AEI, this couldn't come soon enough. You know, after the Obama years, there was a surge in government regulation and the ease of starting a new business in the U.S. actually fell relative to the rest of the world. So the early payoff for equity investors, as we all know, was pretty substantial. And there were actually signs that Trump had revived some dynamism in U.S. manufacturing. <clears throat> but since January of 2018, when this tariff war started, the S&P has basically traded in a volatile and sideways fashion. Uh, and uh, I have no reason to think that this is going to change before the election. So if so, it makes sense to range trade the equities around the highs and lows that we've seen since January of 2018, which would be on the S&P, you know, a range of, let's call it, 2,700 to 3,000 uh, for the S&P 500. So let me start with the good news, right? Because I think there's a little bit, uh, there's not enough attention being paid to that. Um, so the Fed is probably going to prolong the business cycle and a revert of recession in 2020 with lower policy rates. Uh, we're seeing a spike in mortgage refinancing and home purchases. Retail sales look pretty good. Uh, credit statistics of U.S. households look very good with respect to mortgage and credit card delinquencies. Um, uh, the uh, inverted yield curve I, I don't think is a reliable signal at all uh, when 70 to 100 percent of European and Japanese government bonds trade at negative yields driving up demand for long-duration U.S. assets. So that's something that we didn't have in the past, and I think which dis is distorting that yield curve signal. Uh, there are some multinationals that are adjusting to the trade war by moving some of their production to Vietnam and other countries. There's more easing ahead coming from certain central banks. Uh, and as we've written about quite a few times, uh, very weak primary and secondary equity issuance combined with lots of M&A and stock buybacks has resulted in very weak and actually falling net global equity supply. Uh, so on the margin, that creates pretty favorable supply-demand dynamics for stocks, particularly after you get some kind of sell-off. So that's the, the good news that we should probably keep in mind. Now, here's the bad news. There's a lot of data now showing that Trump's trade war is starting to bite. So you've got the highest tariff levels in 40 years, Global trade volumes are starting to uh, weaken. Uh, the pain is very acute in Germany, where uh, it looks like production is actually declining. Global manufacturing and employment surveys are really taking a hit. Uh, Europe is, uh, trade is more trade-reliant and is suffering more than other regions. Uh, U.S. manufacturing hours are declining on a year-on-year -year basis. And uh, what's amazing, in the U.S., even the sectors that have quote-unquote, benefited from tariffs, have seen declines in employment rather than increases. So the tariffs are arguably not even achieving what they're supposed to achieve. And all of this is hitting corporate profits, uh, which are now 
growing at maybe two to three percent in absent stock buybacks, organic S&P 500 earnings growth during the first half of the year probably would have been close to zero. Uh, so um, it doesn't sound like a big hit when, when you see that uh, the trade war is hitting profits by, let's say, three to five percent. But that's enough to offset almost the entire Trump tax cut for the corporate sector if they absorb it through profit margins. And what if they pass it through to households? Well, that would offset most of the benefits of the household tax cut, uh, since it would affect 50 to 80 percent of computer and smartphone purchases. So, um, you know, there's ev- there's plenty of evidence that the trade war is ha- now having a material economic impact. Remember as well that even though uh, we don't have a recession outlook, I think growth will be in the kind of two percent range for the rest of the year. The U.S. equity market is a lot more reliant on global trade and production and things, and, uh, and things like that than the U.S. economy. So the U.S. economy, of course, is 70% reliant on consumption. But uh, the U.S. equity market is very reliant on global trade. Uh, profit margins around the world are pretty heavily tied to the increase in globalization. So uh, if we're going to unwind globalization at this point, um, that's going to have a hit on profit margins. And um, we've got some charts on this month's eye in the market showing that the U.S. is is more sensitive to deglobalization than simple import-export-to-GDP measures would suggest. So uh, from our perspective, it it might take a substantial unwinding of this trade war to propel equity markets to much higher levels and break out of the trading range that we've seen since January 2018. And it's not clear to me at all that either Trump or his potential Democratic successors are interested in a substantial unwinding of this trade war. Uh, Democrats might conduct this war differently, but it's totally unclear to me, and I haven't heard any of them suggest that they would be unwinding many of the measures that have been put in place. And so if that's the case, um, you know, the, the, uh, this Trumpism trading range that we've seen since 2018 is, is likely to remain in place. I haven't really seen anything from either Heritage or AEI strongly denouncing what the administration is doing, perhaps out of fear of what might come from the Democratic Party if Trump loses. And just uh, we have an exhibit in in this week's uh, in this month's Eye on the Market that talks about uh, the various ways that different Democratic candidates would choose to fund. Uh, Medicare for all, free college tuition, student debt forgiveness, a trillion dollars in infrastructure spending, $500 billion for affordable housing, universal pre-K, a trillion dollars in federal Green New Deal procurement costs, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, I would say as well that the Iowa electronic futures markets that look at who will control the Senate in 2020, uh, the, the chances of a Democratic sweep are rising and the prices now for futures contracts for Republican and Democratic control of the Senate are almost the same, uh, which is a pretty big change from a few months ago when there was a much greater certainty of Republicans uh, being seen as controlling the Senate. Uh, So therefore, we we have to start looking at the potential consequences of, uh, of a Democratic sweep. And so we summarize here issues related to higher taxes on income and capital gains, the eliminations of a step up in basis, doubling the capital gains rate, Uh, taxing accrued capital gains, even if they haven't been realized yet, Uh, treating capital gains and and dividends as ordinary income and then taxing them at the same rates. Uh, You've heard a lot of those things. And then as well, Elizabeth Warren's idea for a surtax that would function as a wealth tax, uh, since it would be dependent on wealth levels as well as on income levels. 
um, higher corporate tax rates, curbs and penalties on stock buybacks, um, bank taxes and financial transactions taxes, uh, as well as limitations on private equity companies to um, pay themselves dividends and monitoring fees, accountable capitalism act, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard us write about many of these things before. So, um, you know, the stakes are <coughs> rising for fairly substantial change in 2020 in the tax code, which I think may also serve as another upper bound to this Trumpism trading range that we've seen since January 2018. So to summarize, we would be pretty aggressive buyers of equities if they tested the bottom of the trading range that we've seen. And the day after Christmas last year, we sent out an eye on the market uh, highlighting just how attractive the valuations were. Uh, but at this point, uh, Trump's trade war is really starting to bite. And as we get closer to the high end of the trading range, it makes sense to me uh, to fade a little bit of um, market enthusiasm and investment aggressiveness. So that's it for this month. Take a look at the Eye on the Market piece itself. There's 25 great charts in there. Um, I hope you all had a great summer. I did catch 27 tarpon over a two-day span in July, so that was exciting. And I look forward to seeing many of you this fall as I uh, uh, go on some road shows to see clients. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Michael Semblis, Eye on the Market, offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. Michael Semblis is the Chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments Incorporated. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclaimer dash EOTM.